He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to episode 134 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm James Richardson. I'm joined with Barry O'Hanron. Hey, Barry. Hey, James. Um, anybody want to get in contact with us, our Twitter handle is a good talk golf, and the email is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. That's a good talk golf is the Twitter handle, and a good talk spoiled at gmail.com is the email. Um, so, Barry, since we were last talking two weeks ago, um, my hatred for the Druids Heath has continued. Um, I think it's now well ingrained and will not be uh, scrubbed out anytime soon. And last Saturday was not the day for trying to turn my affections around. Or lack thereof. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. So we had um, we had a, the first me- the first medal that we've played. Of, well, sorry, maybe the second medal we've played this year off the white tees. The course plays about six thousand six hundred yards off the whites, mm. um, which isn't which isn't crazy long. We don't struggle with the, with that sort of uh, distance. Of course, you, see, you know, get up to seven six, then we're in trouble. But uh, around there, it's fine. Uh, the big problem was that the course is firming up, and there was probably close to maybe a four club wind in places. It was unplayable wind. It was however many clubs you wanted to take. It was it, just unplayable. Technically playable because the ball wasn't moving on the green, but uh, in just general playing terms, yeah, it was brutal. I think somewhere close to fifty percent of the field had a no return. Uh, sure, fifty percent of the field walked in after nine holes. Yeah, let alone yeah. just a no return. Like I had a no return, but that's because you we couldn't hole, find yeah. the ball on one hole when it was just off the fairway. Uh, which then you ultimately found when we were walking back down the other fairway. On the comeback, we yeah. So I mean, the Pro View, uh, we were, you know, Pro View one up that you thought was gone. Mm. So um, look, it was it was really really tough. Um, we both started, let's say, poorly. Uh, and and it's really tough to continue around when you've had a couple of we had a couple of catastrophe holes early on. I I had two quads in a row, um, multiple water balls on the second and third, and you had a, a nightmare on the second with multiple water balls as well. well. I, I had a nightmare on the first one. I hit a perfectly good second shot and it hit a cart path and went disappearing on me. That's um, not the course's fault. That's unfor- that's just unfortunate. It was, but yeah. Like, but that was the start of what yeah, was yeah. a very unfair and a very bad round of golf that was unlucky more than the golf itself like mm. you know i hit a punchy seven iron just to kind of you know advance it kind of 150 yards down because i was kind of blocked out from the green and you don't expect that the, the one place that it's going to hit is the fucking guard path and away it goes and shoots it off to the left and that would be anyway yeah, yeah it was um I mean, look, I'm still not in that. There's a lot of a lot of us that have joined Druid's Heat from Glen the Downs are turning against the course because of its difficulty. Uh, I'm still trying as much as possible to not hate the course because I'm still going out to play it every week, you know, twice a week on occasion, or most weeks now. So I think approaching it with a mental attitude of I hate this place sets you up for four and a half hours of misery. So at least if I'm going out there trying to say I'm enjoying the challenge, you're going to have tough breaks, but you just got to ride them out and, and trying to learn from it, you know, get get better at my course management. Um, 
get better at taking bad breaks and you know learning to roll with frustrations on the course um you know just keep, keeping keeping a bit more as much as level-headed as possible i think we were saying it over the weekend when we played again on monday that if you can keep your cool playing druid's heath in tough conditions you can keep your cool on any golf course um so i mean where my mind is at is that it's the default setting for druid's heath like it's 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 when it's set up easy with pins in regular positions and you know easy enough tees it's still a very difficult golf course to begin with so you add into the mix like longer tees and then uh you, you tuck the pins away even a little bit away from easy positions and what's our easy inverted commas because there aren't very many easy pin positions on that golf course and then throw in a three or four club wind on top of it the course is an absolute animal and will bring anybody to their knees um it unfairly punishes shots and uh it can reward very, very good shots, but in between, when you're not on your top game, uh, it's a very difficult place to score and to score consistently throughout the round. It's it's a tough challenge, and I can see... And, and the thing we we discussed at the start of the year with playing a really difficult golf course like that is, even though we might not see it in the results and what our scores are, it will improve our golf. And I can definitely say that when we've played abroad in, on other courses in Ireland... Um, that I can see the improvement in both of our games already. And that's I, that has to be attributable to what we're going through in Drew's Heath. We're not getting the, the rewards of results for how our games are improving. But, you know, it's just, it, it is what it is. And I don't want to sit, I don't want to go through the rest of the year just hating the golf course and being angry at it. Oh, I'm not going to go through the rest of the year hating the golf course because I'm not going to be there after June. So, uh, it's, uh, yeah. so I, I'll, I'll hate it from afar. Uh, I, I. Anyway, yeah. um, more importantly, we got to play the PGA National at Palmerstown Estate on Monday, which is a stunning little hidden gem of a course. Um, it's not actually the PGA National anymore; it doesn't have that title, but it was PGA mm. uh, when it was set up. It was the only PGA affiliated um, golf course in Ireland at the time. Uh, super course, wonderful uh, course. You know, yeah. It, it really it, it rewarded where you can play good shots and you're playing good shots it could really reward and when you're not on your game it wasn't so tough that you were you know it just was a fair test and I think that you know you had to play decent golf to, to put a score together but yeah. you just didn't need to necessarily be a pro to get around if if you hit like a medium to poor a shot you could still continue the hole and get a score out of the hole or, or make a your, your recovery shot wasn't so difficult that you couldn't get yourself back in the hole. Um, but beautiful picturesque holes, like a lot of water. Every hole was pretty much in its own area and its own little portion of the the, 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 the estate. estate. Yeah, every hole was kind of wrapped. It was either a hole on its own or two holes as a couplet. You know, say two holes wrapped around a lake. Mm. One goes one direction, one comes the other direction. So you felt like you were just playing an isolated private hole or or pair of holes every everywhere in the course. Um, obviously when it's the first time on a golf course you've no idea of your orientation where you are in relation to clubhouse but made even more so like that because of all the, the trees and, and the isolation of the holes or, or pairs of holes there's kind it, of a few you got to walk yeah. over a kind of an internal access road to get to the next holes and you're kind of like where am I am so lost yeah. as to where we are right now but that's I love that I love the fact mm. that it was like you were just cocooned in mm-hmm. one in, or two holes and yeah. that was it and there was no kind of 
you were punished if you hit a bad bad shot you were punished sure but you deserve to be at that stage the trees were far enough off the 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 fairways the water was far enough away you know there wasn't those many times that you kind of go geez if i end up in that that's 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 penal if you end up in it it's kind of you've hit it 40 yards offline or whatever i mean the thing i thought was really cool was that the fairways were very generous into a regular hitting area and then they tightened in. So if you wanted to take on the course to give yourself, uh, say, a shorter uh, shorter iron for your second shot, you could challenge the course. And if you hit a really good shot into the narrow necks of the fairways, you were rewarded with a really good look at the green. And the green with a short green. Greens are in great condition. Um, and you can see that they're only going to get better over the next few weeks. And there's a bit of warmth now this week here which all the golf courses are going to be loving. You know, Give them a bit of a watering, there'll be great growth, and they'll be able to have them all beautifully manicured. Um, it, was, it was a beautiful hidden gem. For us, it was a hidden gem. We'd never played it. Um, one of our playing partners, Sonny, has been going on about it for the last while, and we booked a four-person team event, and we just went out and had a great time. And I think that the thing was, we did, because we went to it with, very, with no expectations, other than what he had said, it was a really extra pleasant surprise. And... I lost count of the number of holes we got onto and this is a nice hole. Oh, this is really nice. Oh God, that's beautiful and great hole. And I struggle to think of any sort of holes I go, oh, that needs a serious redesign or that's quite weak. There was, you know, it was a really well put together course. And, you know, we were talking to the pro in the shop and they're, they're starting to invest a bit of money into it. Um, yeah, a, a great experience. And anybody coming to Dublin or, it's only about 30 here. minutes from the centre of Dublin. I, you know, it's, a, it's well worth going out to play it. Fabulous golf if course. You're, if you're heading towards the direction of kind of K-Club, uh, Carton House, you know, definitely have a look at the uh, the, the Palmerstown Estate. Yeah. Um, it's it's definitely a course that's well worth putting into the mix if you were looking at kind of making a weekend yeah, and yeah. looking at that kind of area of, of kind of Dublin, Kildare, it's definitely worth one to, to go and play. And if you're going for like the Parkland kind of courses weekend or whatever, yeah, definitely um, it, it would ha- put it in there into uh, into the rotation or into the choices. Well, um, they have videos on their website as well so you get an idea of it. Anyway, so that was our golfing weekend. Um, a bit juxtaposed, but uh, good, all to, good all together. We stayed dry, which was the important thing. All right, well, look, if anybody uh, wants to let us know about their own golfing weekend and how they're getting on in their own games at the moment, uh, a good talk golf is the Twitter handle and a good talk spoiled at gmail.com is the email. And if anyone has any hidden gems in their area that they think should be highlighted or, uh, you know, told to people send them in to us and we'll, we'll read them out next week uh, definitely um, the RNA and the USGA are looking at banning the green reading materials that the pros are playing and I suppose this is um, for what this is and when I read it, the headline I was like are they going to allow us to use like GPS systems on the green and then I read the actual article and I was like oh no those booklets that the pros have are going to be banned they're 3D which mapped. means that they are no longer going to allow basically artificial green reading before tournaments by whatever company does it and then sells them or if the caddies are doing it the art of reading a green is going to come back um it's going to be a bit tricky to police um caddies doing their own one i mean i'm sure you could buy your own handheld device to map the greens if the caddies out walking the course you can do take a little in in particular area so it'd be hard for them to police what personal materials they'd have about the greens themselves and how the greens are flowing but I, I do like the idea that you know you're not allowed to use your slope function on your laser so why should you know the slope from a laser of what the green is doing well it's removed a very key aspect of the game which is 
the skill of mm. being able to read the breaks. Mm-hmm. They they say that it's going to speed up play. I I'm really kind of on the fence of that. I don't think it's going to speed up play. I think you're going to have a lot of guys like you know, say Jason Day spending you know a long time looking at greens from every angle, physically reading the green, physically yeah. reading it. You know, it may not say Adam Scott who has his own green. Like there are some that don't use them to the same extent. Mm-hmm. There's other guys who like have their head in a book for the four and a half hour and barely rounds, look at the green and barely itself. look at yeah. because they're not even looking at it they're just going so my ball is here the hole is there okay so it's a two degree down downhill left to right okay well then that's where i have to hit i it. aim at x inches to the and, right and, and it doesn't that that's not a skill that's just reading somebody's information mm-hmm. and obviously it's just following a recipe but also because they know where the pins are before they go out all they have to do is you know the, the caddy is already looking at the next hole mm. where do you need I think it's a great idea. I also think that it means that, um, you know, the skill of putting comes back. And I think that that's where, because they're so good, that might be the difference between, you know, the very top guys and the, the, the middling guys. Could, could the one, two, three, four shot difference in a week that goes from a win to maybe just a top 10 or, or vice versa. And yeah, well, I, I, Luke I, Donald is very much in favor. Ian Poulter uh, has also said that he's in favor. I think so. Um, we think it's a good idea. Get rid of it. It's uh, bring back the skill of reading, of skill of reading greens, and uh, let's go forward. I mean, I don't think it's the pace of play thing. I think it's a lot of crap um, or a bullshit excuse for why they're bringing it in. It's because it's just too much of a technological advantage over the course. And this is a good rule change. This is one that looks, you know, where they're looking at a huge amount of rule change. This is one that actually really does need to be brought in. Another rule change is the, I suppose. The Lexi Thompson kind of situation that mm. occurred a couple of weeks ago and the, the, the high definition video replays, Barry, and you were looking at this in terms of kind of the harshness of the armchair referee and the changes that are going to be implemented. Yeah, I think I think ultimately they're get bring it to the naked eye, uh, or that's the idea is to bring it to the naked eye um, level rather than somebody who's sitting there with high def slow motion zoomed in replays um, that can call in whenever. I mean, what other sport can you sit in your armchair and call in and call an infraction? Like, you know, the snooker was on there recently, and you get these high def slow motion replays. Like, you don't get to call in and go, eh, "Yeah, that was a foul," or you know. Interesting, you use that analogy because it goes back to my worry. I don't understand what the referees on each of the groups do because if you have a referee on each of the groups in the PGA or the LPGA or the European Tour are they just wandering around doing sweet FA or are they actually like the snooker guy obviously he's much closer to the table but should it be that the the referee can be a little bit closer you know on the green be on the green away from what's happening Mm. but enough that they can see what occurs that they're the ones that say actually Lexi I, I, I just monitored you replacing the ball there and actually you've incorrectly... Like, what? what's the referee but, but there they don't, for? But they don't have a referee with every group on tour. Yeah, sure, put them on then. There's enough of them. There's, an, there's enough... Like, the, the game is big enough and it's expensive enough to, to be able to do it. I think that this idea is a great step in the right direction, but I think that either you leave it to the players, to, you know, the guy who's marking the card is the guy who calls the fouls, or you trust that, you know... There's somebody in the group that will do it, mm. but um, I think, I think at least the, this armchair kind of nonsense gone. Is, is gone. And it's the, it was the players that were at the top, like of the leaderboard, who are going to get more camera time and therefore more exposure to possible penalties but because they're going to be shown more on TV. But you sat during the Masters and watched the feature groups, so you were watching the feature groups. Yeah. So you watched from the tee off on the first to the last put on the 18th of three groups. 
Now, you might not have watched anything else, but your sole focus could have been on going, oh, I think, I think Ricky Fowler sure. made a mistake there. I better ring that in. But that's only you know, three groups out of the entire field. But that's of the point. Yeah. So it's this not is... like you're getting to see everybody. Because no. there's going to be, maybe there's infringements in all other groups that you're not Very seeing. Very possible, so yeah. It doesn't give it a level playing field. You're going to see how I segue here now. So that was the LPGA. And there is a... Um, the ShopRite LPGA Classic are holding a Twitter poll to decide a tournament invitation. Now, Barry, you did bring this to my uh, attention, and um, I'm going to allow you to put your uh, spin thing. on this. Now, what it's is it, and why are they doing it? Through a company called MVP Index, which tracks social media prominence, they will be taking votes from the public through Twitter as to which of the four girls will get a spot in the tournament. So it's Blair O'Neill, Sharmila Nicolay, Carly Booth, and Susanna Benavides. And essentially it boils down to a popularity contest, which is... The whole point of golf is it's competitive, but competitive around golf, not your popularity on social media. You should earn your right into a golf tournament by playing golf, not how many followers I, you have. I assume that, and that's that's obviously, you know, ultimately who is the most popular is going to get in. Do they, they obviously, these four signed up for this? Like, yeah. Is that, so like, did they give any indication as to the fact that this is basically just a popularity contest or was it just some innovation that gets the, uh, the, the LPGA a bit of newsprint? It's, they weren't in the tournament, they weren't, going to get into the tournament unless they played, say, a qualifier. So it was a way for them to get into it. So you can't blame them for taking a one-in-four chance of making it into the tournament. Um, I think Paige Spiranak, um, she, I think she got in through a social media poll before, but she said she didn't want to get it. She didn't want to be involved in the voting for this. It's a bit, it's a bit crass, to yeah, be honest. I is. don't like it, I have to say. I think that, like... You know, it's it's just blatant advertising for whatever company is doing it, and I I just think it's if it was in the men's, women's, whatever, it just seems a bit kind of crass and degrading that it's it's down to like how many people can click on a button to get you into a tournament. It and just doesn't seem like. And I think there's an opportunity there. Like they're, maybe they're, I'm I'm wrong on that. No, like I just it doesn't sit easy with me. No, me neither. And they're trying to get fan engagement through social media. That's okay. See what well, seems to be what they're trying to do. So, where, but where's the angle and how to use that fan engagement for a good purpose, other than I don't know, whatever. Like, I, I, I think it gets one minute to Where's the purpose behind it? Well, I think you could engage in things like you know, what kind of three ball would you like? You know, like, what would who would you like to see going off in the last tee off on Thursday? You know, these three, these three, like, and then you could, you know, for instance. A Twitter poll of the next tournament Sergio and poor Carrington's in. You know, <laughs> you could have a situation yeah. where people yeah, yeah. would put the. But I can understand bits like that. I just think this is crass. I just think it's not particularly a pleasant decision. For example, why if what what if they did something like if you vote on this, you get a voucher for ten percent off a lesson with your local LPGA Pro or PGA Pro. There is a positive use of this, so you're encouraging people to get involved, and they're getting something back in return. That's getting them involved in the game or getting them Even to a charity donation perhaps, for every yeah. click every vote is x going there's into a sponsor a like involved yeah it just feels like that bit i wouldn't mind they've, you know, they've missed they've class. missed a massive opportunity and it's just come off as i think a, it's boomeranged back in their face a straightforward popularity contest and it's people who you can see again my segue here yeah people who don't need to go on twitter to get into competitions is ian poulter and brian gay because they have managed to keep their pga tour card um, 
Brian, Brian Gay did a bit of forensic uh, investigative uh, points yeah. accounting and found out that with the PGA Tour having changed their points allocations for sort of the mid-level result spots, um, the system that they started their major medical exemption under has changed, but they, the argument he made was that they started their exemption on that and it should continue on that, and the PGA Tour agreed, and so... Ian Poulter thought he was gone, but Brian Gay, uh, super detective, got him back in. And, um, well, Poulter should be sending him really nice bottles of wine for many a year yet, I think. Uh, yeah, and it's, great. it's good because, like, in fairness, common sense prevailed and the right right idea came out of it. And uh, it's great for Ian Poulter, it's great for Brian Gay because, obviously, it was a major medical exemption. It wasn't just simply that they hadn't been able to play the tournaments or gone elsewhere. So I think it's a, a really good, sensible decision for once by the uh, the likes of the PGA. So look, uh, that ultimately is the news that we've seen. If there's anything anybody else has seen, a good talk golf is the Twitter handle, and you can let us know what stories you've seen from from your area. Um, last week there was the on the LPGA was the Volunteers of America Texas Shootout presented by JTBC uh, over so- in Irvine, Texas. Certainly the tour with the longest tournament names Certainly by a is. mile. Uh, they do have a tendency on the women's tour to have very long... Uh, Presented by an association oh, with. Yeah, and, yeah. a lot. But um, yeah, the sponsors are on board and that's good and that makes the prize fun. And, and, they, need the it. Yeah. and they need it. It was played over the 6,441-yard par 71 in Irving, Texas. And uh, Nomura defeated Christy Kerr in a playoff in the sixth extra hole. Jeez, they played along. Uh, the same hole. It was over and over. It took them two hours Jeez. for six holes. It was messy because the wind was really blowing hard that um, on Sunday, and they were showing quite a lot of this. Uh, the main golf feed was this because the there were uh, quite a number of uh, electrical storms going through mm. um, the Zero Classic, so we got to see quite a bit of this. And the wind was screaming, and Christy Kerr battled really hard to set a target, and, and uh, you know the two of them ended up in the playoff. They played the same hole six times in a row. The problem was that fairway was extremely tilted. Their balls both ended up in the same place off the tee. The layup was really difficult, and it just became a repeat of the same hole. And apparently, I didn't I didn't stay up to see it, but apparently it became extremely tedious to watch. And because of the conditions, it was unbelievably slow to play. And um, to the point that Christy Kerr caught a bit of flack and ended up coming out and kind of apologizing for it on Twitter and just saying it was really difficult. Um, you know, I was slow, but we were both slow because the conditions were were, were like that. Um, ah, it's also it's, it's it's a playoff, and, yeah, yeah. You know, but like to play the same hole six times, mm-hmm. seriously, lads. Like after three, somebody go. Do you know what? We'll go down the first or the third yeah. or the fifth. Like change it up a bit, um, or at some point toss a coin or something. Um, <laughs> bloody hell! You must have played halfway into the darkness as well, um, because they're not great for finishing tournaments too early over in the states like no they're trying to hit that sweet spot on the tv yeah. time so they always kind of push it close ish to uh, the end of the day well it's uh it was interesting but i suppose uh congratulations to the winner the european tour we've got a couple of tournaments that we need to catch up on two weeks ago was the shenqing uh, international in china it was played over the 7145 yard par 72 course and this also went to a playoff, but only one playoff hole was required. And uh, Wiesberger won on the first playoff hole, which is the 18th, by birdie over Tommy Fleetwood after both um, ended up on 
16 under, one ahead of Gregory Bordy and Ross Fisher. And Tommy Fleetwood, what a superb 63 on the final day, 9 under, to finish with a 2.72 to get into it. Some uh, so, some tournament and some uh, play by, by, and, yeah. by Tommy Fleetwood. And Viesberger had a nice lead going into the final round, so you can understand why he comes out with a, a one-under round when all, most around him were shooting multiple under par. And, you know, he, he's been playing brilliant golf since the PGA Championship last year, and you know, the, a tournament win was probably what he needed to to feel that his form, you know, what his form deserved, and uh, you know, got it over the line despite a huge charge by Tommy Fleetwood. So great to see Tommy back. He was uh, he was he'd gone through a patch of pretty shitty form, so uh, good to see him back. Uh, he's a uh, he's pretty pretty fun golfer to watch. Very exciting, like when he's on a roll. Yeah, and it's uh, and there was a few other names, and I suppose we should probably mention a couple of them. Um, one of it was Alex uh, Le- uh, Alexander Levy, who finished at um, tied eighth, um, two three shots behind, and uh, who then went on the following week. Uh, rolled win. over, rolled over. Um, yeah. Which I suppose, to put that in context, the Volvo China Open was played at the Top Win Golf and Country Club in Beijing, seven thousand two hundred and sixty-one yard par seventy-two, and as I said. Uh, Alexander Levy won in also in a playoff against the South African Dylan Fratelli um, birdied again the 18th playoff um, hole on the first to win after both tied at 17 under one behind Paolo uh, sorry Rathabal at 16 under and uh, uh, Bernard Wiesberger who was 15 under with Chris Wood and Ross Fisher, another shot behind. I tell you what, Fratelli and Larathabal are going to be absolutely livid they didn't win this. Like everybody around them is shooting under seventy, and you know Larathabal puts in a seventy-two, and Fratelli a seventy-four, and Larathabal took off like a greyhound out of the traps at the start of the week, and just just ran out of steam. Um, he'll be he seems to have been kind of turbocharged his form by Sergio's win of the Masters. So uh, yeah, expect to see him poking his head around the tops of leaderboards in the next few weeks, but. Really good performance by Alexander Levy. Um, great first round, couple of decent solid middle rounds, and then you know got it done on Sunday and um, nails a birdie on the first playoff hole, you know, which is what you kind of need to do when it's a par five. And, and to be fair, it's been a good swing for a few of these guys because you know you can see when you look at the back to back weeks, you, you, the kind mm. of a lot of these guys. Uh, Fratelli was fifth the previous week. Uh, obviously, Levy eighth the previous week. The uh, Rathabal eleven. So like there was a lot of guys who brought form from uh, the first tournament into the second tournament on this kind of Chinese swing. It seems to be kind of a, a binary thing about playing in Asia. Guys either love playing out there or they just don't get on with it at all. And it doesn't seem to matter what courses they're playing out there. They're just they're they're in that part of the world, and it just seem things just seem to click for them, and they play well. They. And year after year, the pattern repeats itself. So certainly one to watch for, you know, in future for betting. Um, it's it's uh, it helps narrow down the field a lot. It certainly went after week one, looking for the week two kind yeah, of uh, yeah, form. Absolutely. Because it's the travel as well, mm-hmm. who travels well, who can kind of settle down. Uh, great for Levy. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of money in the pocket for him. And um, he is so much fun to watch. That guy has just, in t- he's, he's kind of a little bit like Rathabal, just to have that real kind of... Pumped up intensity about their game, and he goes after it, and yeah, just really, um, really exciting golfer to watch. 
And who knows where he'll go this season in terms of going forward. A lot of these guys, you know, they're going to hit a bit of form now. They are hitting form. And obviously they're going to get into the meats and bones now over the next couple of weeks of the, the, the main European tour. And uh, when you've already got 448,000 euros and a win in the in the column for the 2017 season, it's, yeah. it kind of means you can relax a little bit through the rest of the season and see where the rest of it goes. Jump up the rankings up to 74th in the world now, so he'll be eyeing up that top 50. And, and, and it's where he deserves to be. I think, you know, we like to see that kind of player play in the big tournaments. Um, any other kind of anything out of those two, Barry, those kind of two weeks in the European Tour? Anybody that kind of sprung to mind that, that looks like they're hitting a bit of form or will we start looking at the PGA Tour? I think we'll flip over to PGA Tour. It's very hard to get a lot of the tournament in with the times that's on and it's, you know, especially in the weekend mornings when we would have a time to watch it we're off out playing golf um, so yeah mi- missed uh, missed a lot of the uh, missed a lot of that on live and just caught a bit of the highlight show so, so uh, yeah. we then move on to the PGA Tour and two weeks ago was the Valero Texas Open it was at the TPC San Ant- uh, Antonio course in Texas 7,435 yard par 72 and um, Kevin Chappell eventually breaks through the uh, the winner's tape barrier in this one mm-hmm. um, yeah seemed and very emotional at the end you know really you could see the weight literally lifted off his shoulders um, walking a few inches taller now that he doesn't have to answer that question like when, when's the win going to come I think he played something like 180 tournaments without a win so um, yeah, obvious relief and elation in in his post round interview, and um, you know hat tip as well to Brooks Kepka who put in a brilliant charge on Sunday, um, posting seven under round, which was uh, probably the round of the day uh, if I can go through it. But, yeah, um, well done to Kevin Chapel, good win. Yeah, and like you talk about uh, Brooks, like Tony Finau you know, again, starting to come back into a bit of form, a guy that I think everybody quite enjoys watching. I know I do. Mm. Um, you know, and so there was a few guys there that it was nice to see kind of coming back into a bit of form. Um, Apparently he's taken a lot of power off his swing from when he was younger, which, really? which is hard to believe because uh, he, hits it, he hits it so hard. Um, yeah, so that was that. And on to, I mean, I think we're... When it got to this stage of the season, we were all really looking forward to the event that happened last week, which was the Zero Classic, because it was the first time in our lifetime that we've seen a team event that's not the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup or, or one of those you know Continental Challenge Cups. It well, was a PGA Tour event that was a team event, and this was uh, this was really so exciting to watch. It was the Zora Classic of New Orleans. It was being played at the TPC Louisiana. Avondale, New Orleans course, 7,399 yard par 72. Now, we weren't here last week for various reasons, so we didn't get to kind of give the preview of this. So Mm -hmm. for guys who didn't get to see this over the weekend, just explain to them what the format is, because it was very different to uh, the normal strokes play, four days, etc. So yeah, the the guys got to build their own teams or pick their own partner. enter in and day one Thursday was foursomes day two Friday was four ball and uh, day three Saturday was foursomes and day four fr- Sunday was uh, four ball so off they went and I suppose the, the trick was to try survive any potential disasters in the foursomes and you know try get a few under par um, on the foursomes days and then really go to town on the four ball and take advantage of the fact that you've got two professionals on a pretty easy open golf course 
um, and just try shoot as many birdies as possible. And my God, they really did in the in the four ball rounds. You know, there was a sixty in there, loads of loads of low sixty round sixties rounds as well. So uh, yeah, and you know, unfortunately, it went into a Monday finish. They had hours worth of delays due to a t- thunderstorm on um, on Sunday night. But it went to a playoff between Jonas Blix and Cameron Smith and Kevin Kisner and Scott Brown. Uh, all four guys parred the first three playoff holes, and Cameron Smith decided that I think it was Cameron Smith decided that he didn't want to par the next one. Popped in a birdie and gets the win for himself and Jonas Blix. Yeah, and and it's funny when you look at kind of a lot of the the team pairings. It's it's interesting to watch that like a lot of the Americans stuck with another American, South Africa stayed with South South Africa. You, you know, Cabrera stayed with his countryman. You know, it was interesting. There was a good a lot of kind of country with country. Mm. Um, you could see a lot of personality matching as well. They were certainly trying to. You could feel that they were trying to build team atmospheres or a team bond between the two guys. So, like KJ Choi and like Charlie Wee, you know, both South Koreans. Like it, it it's just funny when you look at mm-hmm. the way that it was, uh, that like, you know, it's probably a good indication of who's good friends with each other on tour, like David Hearn and Graham DeLat for Canada. Like it, it nearly became a country by country thing. It's, it's Close enough, yeah. But we, I, the thing that was really fun to watch uh, was, you know, guys getting excited and fist bumping and high-fiving and there's, there was just a lot more... Um, showing of emotion from the golfers than you would see on an ordinary week when they're on their own. I mean, the only person they have to high-five or fist bump is their caddy. But this, when you're playing in a team, it just seems to add that extra edge of emotion to it. And it was really cool to feel that through the screen and watch it. It's much more engaging, isn't Mm. it? You know, because, you know, especially four ball, foursomes, we play a lot of that within kind of the club golf and a lot of guys who are listening, you know, they themselves will play a lot probably of inter-club in those formats, so to mm-hmm. see the pros play it outside of of the big tournaments like the Ryder Cup and and the Presidents Cup and things like that, would you make any changes to this format? Would you look at even bringing in kind of a, a singles, you know, stroke play for the last round, or would you, you know, do you like the kind of two rounds each? Is there anything that you'd say, yeah, you know what, yeah, no, it's it's a good format, leave it. No, I like it just. Um throw it around onto different golf courses every year and if you want to have maybe one more of these events throughout the year I wouldn't saturate the tour with these but you know I, I don't think anybody would complain about seeing a second one um, you start going beyond that it might it changes the what we know as the tour and golf which is singles but uh, would, yeah, would it be the kind of format like that something like a, a kind of the, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am would benefit from I don't know well, because in that you can you can have you know your four ball, your foursomes. Your, you've got your you can have your pro and your amateur as a team, and you know it would be slightly different. I don't I don't know. I'm only just yeah. Well, I mean, effectively like, they play four ball in the Pebble Beach because it's the best score between the two, the pro and the amateur on the card. They just don't do foursomes. I mean, that, okay, you can't the pro and the amateur can't go together in foursomes for the Pebble Beach pro on. The two pros could now on the same tee time, but uh, that, that involves an awful lot of organization then. But it's a, it's an interesting format. Whether they would you put this better than the Super Six one that they tried down in Australia? Uh, that's very different. That's a really shortened version of golf. This is 
this is a team event. I'm not saying it's better. I'm not saying it's worse. It's just different. And a little bit of uh, spice to the tour is uh, is a good thing. I'm not. Uh, All right. I, I, I think there's there's a, there's a place for both of them out there. It's not one or the other, as far as I'm concerned. Fair enough. Well, uh, Blix and Smith are the winners of that. Um, and we move on then to this week and the City Citibank Mix. Oh, you know what? City Panamax. It's, it's, it's a match play tournament for the LPGA <laughs> out in Mexico. It's 6,804 yards, par 72. And uh, somebody whose name I'm not even going to try is defending. It's Carlotta Siganda. That's the one. <laughs> They're off up at altitude in Mexico City, which is why the course is a little bit longer. Uh, the ball will be flying, flying far, and they'll, uh, they'll be trying to make a whole lot of birdies, I guess. It's a match play, so... Go go after it, you know. There's no uh, no downside to having a triple bogey. You just lose the hole. All right, enjoy that, ladies. Uh, the European Tour is the Golf Sixes at the Centurion Club in uh, the UK. Uh, now, Barry, it's playing over the 2,276 yard par 24. So you're going to have to explain this to the listeners because this does not scream regular tournament. No, it doesn't consist of 18 holes either. Uh, it's a six-hole golf course, and they have 16 national teams uh, of two guys in each team, and the format is called greensums. Uh, so both guys will hit their tee shot on the hole. They will select the tee shot that they deem to be the best, and they will play foursomes from there on in to finish that hole. The next hole, they'll do it again. And it is done how they're f- f- sorting it out is the 16 teams will be put into groups of four on Saturday. They'll play each, each of the other teams in their group once, in matches and the top two from each group will go through to Sunday where they'll get into a knockout situation from quarterfinals onwards so short form go get them Um, you you could literally pick any format of golf on a six hole format it will be it'll be fast and furious and uh, yeah it'll because it's something we haven't really haven't we missed the one we missed seeing the one that was in Australia so it'll be uh, it'll be pretty cool to watch a bit of this and see how it goes down Um, Um, I is, suppose is, 20... is there even betting on this at this stage? There is there, there is a betting. market, and uh, the, is it just one of those ones that you could probably throw a pin at? What kind of players are playing? Well, Let's get through the players. Absolutely. Well, why not? We'll just go through from the, the betting point of view. So the home team of Chris Wood and Andy Sullivan are 92. Uh, Levy and Bordy are 11 to 2. Olison and Bjerregaard are 8 to 1. Larathabal Karnazaris are 9 to 1, as are Jai and Afi Barnrat. Colsarts and Detry are ten to one. They could be an interesting one, like two two young bombers. Ramsey and Warren are twelve to one. Dredge and Donaldson sixteen to one. Manasero and Paratori are sixteen to one. Feichart and Stone are sixteen to one. Peterson and Lipsky eighteen to one. Hardly the strongest US team you'll ever see. Um, won't be a won't be a Ryder Cup pairing. Probably not. <laughs> no. Brazil and Hend are twenty to one. Loughton and Saxton are twenty two to one. Goivea and Lima are twenty five to one. Carlson and Lagergren are twenty eight to one. And Cheresia and oh my God, not even I can get this. Chikarangapa are thirty five to one. Why do you think I asked you to read them out? Yeah, it was the last one. Um, so no Irish team here. It's kind of interesting. I don't I don't know how the teams qualified into it or whether it was on world rankings, but. Um, those are the the guys right. who are battling out this week. So yeah, it should be fun to see. There's a lot of uh, social media engagement going on, and 
you know, you got to like what the European Tour are trying to do. They're trying to put out a few. It's a real Pele. Uh, it is. Pelu sh- or whatever the way you say. Keith Pele, isn't it? Pelle, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're trying to do a few unusual things with that, you know, but not changing the core of the tour, obviously. And this is this will be a fun event on a kind of a fill week before the tour actually gets back to mainland Europe yeah. and open to Portugal. And it's not it's not ruining kind of the. You know, it's not like the week before a major or anything like that. So it's it's yeah. kind of a throwaway week, and mm-hmm. it's worth giving it a go. PGA Tour, the Wells Fargo Championship over at Eagle Point Golf Club in North Carolina, seven thousand three hundred ninety-six yard par seventy-two, and this is uh, this is new for the listeners. It's new for us. This this course. Yeah, uh, usually it's at Quail Hollow, as we're all very familiar with at this stage for the Wells Fargo. But that's hosting the PGA Championship later in the year, so it'd be a bit of a stretch for the same course to host twice. And I think even if it could physically cap- be capable of doing it, it would uh, kind of take away a little bit from the PGA Championship. So this is a top 100 course, according to Golf Digest. Uh, Tom Fazio design, uh, lots of trees. They moved lots of earth to make it kind of rolling hills. Some say it has a bit of an Augusta feel about it. Um, lots, you know, you're going to need to be, I was talking to Steve Bamford about this, uh, of golf betting system and he was saying you're going to need to be very good at driving this week you know nice and straight and tight and give yourself plenty of chances to get on the greens um, you know they're going to have a little bit more rough than Augusta will you know the rough will be up at three inches so uh, he say he thinks in particular is a premium on uh, driving accuracy total driving this week J- James Han is defending but you know that was as you say he was one at Quail Hollow so it's kind of a it's a new one um, in terms of what we can look to pass form in terms of this tournament, but you know, kind of outline in the betting, I suppose, is the easiest to kind of show who's playing and what kind of uh, yeah the, the markets are saying. And it's funny you can always a lot of guys seem to do very well around the Carolinas. They just kind of like the guys who do well out in Asia on the European tour, or, or you know when the US tour go, PGA tour goes out there. There are a number of guys who really seem to love playing in the Carolinas. Um, two in particular to be. Uh, just brought to your attention this week are Webb Simpson and Carl Peterson who are both members there and were kind of involved in pushing this golf course to the front for getting selected to be used for this tournament and there are a few others I think Bill Haas has played there on a number of occasions as well and a quick Google will tell you who else has played at the course a few times so they, they'll have an advantage in that they know the course quite well I think Peterson has the course record but you know Peterson and Simpson have both played it a whole bunch of times living close by so uh, and being members so um, their their prices uh, you know you got to reflect kind of maybe pull that into your thoughts for your betting uh, home, home advantage so uh, Dustin Johnson makes his comeback from his uh, his back bruising he is 4-1 to one. no difference in uh, how popular or how strong a favourite he is with the bookies what's he going for 4 in a row yeah, four, 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 yeah, four, four wins in a row. In a row. Yeah, um, John Ram is eleven to one. Adam Scott making a return is sixteen to one. Paul Casey eighteen to one. Kevin Kisner runner up last week is twenty to one. Webb Simpson, Phil Nicholson twenty five to one. Bill Haas thirty three to one. Daniel Berger and Patrick Reed are thirty three to one. Wesley Bryan's thirty five to one. William McGirt and Francesco Molinari are forty to one. JB Holmes is 45 to 1, and then it takes a little jump to 60 to 1, where you have Nah, Grillo, Swafford, Perez. Um, our own Graham McDowell and Shane Lowry are 66 to 1. So that's most of the top heads on the betting. Well, it's going to be interesting to see a new course because there is a tendency to see the same courses over and over and over mm-hmm. again on the PGA. So it's nice to see a new course, and hopefully it won't be the, 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 the last time you know this place 
is is picked or is used. Uh, well, it depends on how you know, how nice it is after well, it's like, used. <laughs> you know, it's good to it's yeah. good to move them around because you you can uh, you know there's a lot of good courses over there and you know you do oh, yeah. get kind of not not tired of seeing the same places but you get kind of used to it. So some places it needs a bit of a freshening mm-hmm. up every so often. So it would be nice to see what Eagle Point Golf Club is like. And uh, any bets, Barry, on either of the tours this week? I, I'm going to go for Francesco Molinari this week. Put my money down on him already. Uh, he is a very good driver of the ball. He ranks high in total driving. He's been putting in some good results over on the PGA Tour recently. And, you know, his brother won there a couple of weeks ago. So nothing like a little bit of sibling rivalry to, mm. to get you going. And I think that could be uh, that could be the motivation that gets him onto a, a really good week and hopefully a win. Yeah, brilliant. If anybody is gonna, you know, has any ideas or tips or kind of hunches that they have on either the European Tour, or the PGA Tour, or the LPGA, um, you can let us know. The Twitter is at a good talk golf. The email is a good talk spoiled at gmail dot com. I suppose that probably better just simply uh, leads us to say uh, thanks a million for all your input as always. Um, you too, James. Thanks a million to all the listeners for downloading. If you're on iTunes, give us a rating and a review. It would be great. Twitter is at a good talk golf. The email is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. Have a great weekend golfing, playing or watching, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye bye, Well, goodbye. Bye bye. Yeah. <laughs>